it's those intangibles that you know that everybody talks about but you've got to have something that people know very, very well that they understand and that guides and directs their activity their thinking and their behavior every day um, and, and and if you don't have that you, you don't have a culture you, you just you know you have plaques and posters on the wall and, and mm, you know, yeah sing-alongs with hr and, and <laughs> that's um that's 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 just not what what culture is in business you want to consistently attract incredible people grow at an accelerated rate and create a unique competitive advantage the goal it isn't to just be the best but is to be the favorite the favorite in the eyes the mind and the heart of your customer to stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Well, welcome back to Lead Through Values, where we talk about how to build a high-performance culture, what makes people exceptional, and the impact of investing in the growth of people. My name's James Mayhew, and today's really a special day because I'm joined by Monty Peterson. Now, I've gotten to know Monty through LinkedIn because he drops some of the wisest and most thought-provoking posts on strategy execution management. So hang on, because this is going to be a podcast filled with a lot of wisdom and tips, I think, for you. Uh, but before we begin, I just want to talk a little bit about something here. I'm super passionate about developing people. Now, specifically, I want to help set business leaders up to be successful and have the tools they need to be the kind of leader their team deserves. Things like how to set clear and high expectations, how to do accountability the right way, and how to create a culture where feedback is honest and helpful timely and specific so people have an opportunity to excel. And that's what my training program, Accelerate, was designed to do. Now, there's an Accelerate session either in progress or one starting soon, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, but I've had business owners, executives, and administrators tell me just how impactful it's been for them. And they wish this is something they could have learned years ago. And that reminds me of that famous Chinese proverb that says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. So if you're looking to build a business that can scale, you need leaders who develop other leaders, well, that's what we do in Accelerate. So you can learn more about that program at my website, jamesmayhew.com. So we got that part out of the way, Monty. It's so, I'm so thrilled to get this scheduled with you and finally get here. And I love talking with you and, and just with anybody about organizational culture. Uh, but before we get into those kinds of things, Tell us a little bit about you and, and your journey to this point in your business. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. And the Accelerate program sounds like uh, something I should probably get involved with. <laughs> um, so so good good on you for that. But um, thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I'm um, I'm what I, what you would call um, long in the tooth from a career perspective. I, I worked nearly thirty eight years and only had two employers really, really enjoyed a, a very good career. In fact, I never thought I wanted to do anything else and uh, got continuously promoted and, and got chances to lead. And um, 
again, it was it was a great it was a great career, and you know until it wasn't, and and you know towards the end of of that career, as you kind of look back on the body of work and things you did, and um, you know, you 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 change, right? You, you're just mm. uh, you you feel like um, you know you don't have to do anything else because you you've been doing it for so long and you're so you know you're so good at it and and I, I think that kind of sums up what my journey was was like so obviously peaks and valleys along the way but uh you know 35 years specifically in in um, hospitality management um just led me to at the end of it all look back on it and say man as I opened my mind up, as I began to read and, and get a, more, a little more absorbed in thinking about what I wanted to do, you know, as a second career, um, I just thought I got to get back in this because there's, there's too many people out there that need help. And fortunately for me, I found strategy execution as a, as an area of, of concern. And, and quite frankly, if I would have, if I would have been able to, utilize strategy execution in my day, it would have made a pretty significant difference, not only in, in my life and with my teams and my business results, but just in, in the lives of so many other, other people. Uh, because un, unfortunately, you know, we have this, when we look back on things, we have this negative highlight reel in our head, right? We always just think about the bad things. We never remember the good things. Mm. And mine is just completely littered with mistakes and doing things the wrong way. And you know, again, it's not to say that it was all, all bad, but those are the things that stick out to me. And so that, that, that's really what drove me to start my firm and start working with you know, businesses and organizations on helping them with you know, culture, organizational health, but, but really doing that through what I call leadership through the lens of execution, which is, which is really taking a, you know, a people-centric or a people-first approach um, to to, to leadership and, you know, getting people to lead in, you know, the correct way as you, as you and I know it. Well, tell me a little bit, just and clarify for listeners too, when you're talking about strategy, execution management, or any of those things, uh, boil it down to what are we really talking about? Well, we're really talking about how do we, how do we get the results in the best way possible? And as we know, um, you know, organizations are complex, people are complex. Um, the world is complex. It's moving 10 times faster, it seems like every year than it was, you know, the, the, the year before. So, you know, how do you, how do you get to the results in the best possible manner? And really what strategy execution does is it aligns the daily tasks and activities of everybody on the team with the strategic objectives of the organization. And so what you do is you sort of have ordered chaos, right? You, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're able to document everything that you're trying to do. Um, so you start off kind of where you and I really are focused on those foundational elements, right? On the culture, the mission, mm. vision, core values, core behaviors, and of course the strategic initiatives, because those are, those are the things that define success for the organization. So you start there and you figure out how to effectively translate that through the whole organization, get people aligned, get people collaborating, working together and, and help to drive those results. And 
in the process, you understand that this is a dynamic process that things change that, you know, you just don't write a strategy and, and, it, and it looks exactly how you laid it out at the beginning of the year at the end of the year. Well, so I think, you, isn't that so true? I mean, just the strategy, um, you know, the, the whole five-year strat plan and all those things that were from a few years ago, business is changing. It's moving too fast for that, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, um, it's, it's not, I don't want to go so far as to say it's nonsense, but I, I think we have to think in a lot shorter cycles and then we have to be able to adopt to those shorter cycles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd, I'd kind of like to jump in with you and, and talk organizational culture. It's a hot topic right now. Um, 2020 exposed how vulnerable our businesses are to like a, an unexpected and like very rapid shift to culture. So working remotely, uh, just having to like, it just can change. It just changed all the dynamics of the way we normally had done things. You said something to me that I thought was kind of cool. And you said, I think you kind of asked a question, why do you think businesses have been slow to recognize the significance of culture? First of all, culture exists whether you're paying attention to it or not. That's one of my favorite things to teach. The second thing is, is that if you aren't paying attention to it, it is going to shift. It's, it's a living, breathing, dynamic thing. Uh, in the corporate world, the first time that I was overseeing culture, it was still a very new word for our, our company. And um, I had seen somebody, and I don't know if it's a Drucker or who it was that was out there that said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so I came in with this armed, you know, like that statement, and I dropped it on a very strategic business, uh, this leadership team, and they all looked at me and it was like the fight was on. And my, my thinking has evolved on this a little bit because I, I really was wanting to believe that and defend that until I realized this is that culture is absolutely a strategy that a business has to have. You have to have an intentional plan around it if you want to create a great culture. Otherwise, if it's not defined and, and there isn't somebody paying attention to it or multiple people paying attention to it, it can become accidental in nature and really start to shift on you. So kind of coming full circle with all of that that I was just laying out there is, first of all, Monty, how do you define culture in your words? And why do you think there's been businesses that have been slow to, to recognize the significance of it? Ooh, a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I, I think one thing I want to say about, about what you just shared is that I think, I think culture rises above strategy in that, in that um, if you're if you're a new organization or startup, you've got a lot of young talent. It's pretty easy to, to build a culture from, from that framework because you've got people that think that way that are, that are there. But if, you're, if you've had an established business, very successful established business for a long amount of time and you're looking to do it, um, you may think you have a culture, but you may really need to rebuild what it is you have or, or you know, build something completely new. Um, so, so I look at culture as being uh, the shared values and beliefs that guide the thinking and behavior of an organization. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's those, it's those intangibles that, you know, that everybody talks about, but 
you've got to have something that people know very well, that they understand, and that guides and directs their activity, their thinking and their behavior every day. Um, and, and, and if you don't have that, you, you don't have a culture, you, you just, you know, you have plaques and posters on the wall and, and mm, you know, yeah. sing alongs with HR. And, and <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's, that's just not what what culture is. Right. No, I that you frame it up really, really well. And yeah. Uh, so so why are businesses slow to it? What's been your experience with that? Um, I, I think some of it is generational that that you you know you have businesses that that operated for a certain way and and again I'm I'm a product of that system. I you know my father worked for one company for most of his career. Um, I came close to you know to doing that and you know I just so happened to run into a, a difficult boss, you know, in, in the, in the, in the first company I worked with. And so I, I moved on to the competitor. Um, but that probably wouldn't have happened had I had a different boss. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think, I think adaption is slow just because people don't really understand the, the, the true value of what, what having a great culture, you know, can bring and the impact that it can have on the rest of your business. There are times that a business is growing fast. Uh, and that's been my experience. I was with a, an incredibly fast organization, uh, fast growing organization, and we didn't have a great culture. It was originally, it was like this, a lot of friends and family and it, it, uh, it, that wasn't scalable. And we started to see the ramifications of that. So people were, you know, there wasn't a lot of growth and development for personal or professional, uh, you know, situations in there. We just didn't have that. So people were kind of capping. And this reminds me of a, of a graphic that um, um, Reed Hastings years ago shared with Netflix that was showing that your talent and your learning, the growth of the people that you have has to outpace the complexity. So complexity, the way he was breaking it down was, you know, we're for fast growing, we're adding more products, we're adding more services, we're adding more locations. We have, um, you know, more people coming into the business. Maybe we have, you know, locations across the United States now. And when that happens and, and it outpaces, the complexity outpaces the talent of the people there, he said, this is where chaos emerges. And as a result, processes get put in place. We don't do this. If this happens, then do this. And they're meant to be a temporary fix. The challenge is, is that they don't really stay temporary. They become kind of permanent because again, people are paying attention. Like we stop worrying about um, the working on the business. We're working in it. So we, we lose sight of that. So his point is so valid the way that I've always embraced and thought about what culture is, is that you've got to be able to outpace the complexity of your business so that you can adjust to things like what 2020 threw at us. And you have people that are, you know, thinking on their own and doing their own things. Go ahead. No, you're, you're exactly right. But um, it's, it's, it's a little bit scary because people are afraid of change and they work hard and they like their life and, and, and they're very comfortable. But then all of a sudden somebody comes along and says, you know, like Reed Hastings and says, 
tomorrow we're going to be doing it this way. And maybe in two months, we're going to be doing it that way. And, <laughs> right. And yeah. you got to, you got to be prepared for that. And, and we as human beings don't, you know, don't take that well, you know, because we, we like our, our comfort zone. And so this all comes back to culture and why you need, you need a culture that says strap on your seatbelt because it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride. And so people expect that and they know that and that you bring people into the organization that are a good fit with, you know, with, with that, you know, that, that are looking for it because um, it's, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, it's, it's tough being, it's tough being a leader and being forward thinking, but that's exactly what a leader needs to be. They, they need to, if, if they care about the long-term viability and the sustainability of the organization, they have to keep you positioned where, you know, you're, you're going to be successful. And, and sometimes that's, that's unsettling. Well, and, and you can't do those things as a leader if you are overwhelmed and like, just say it, overly busy because then you're hurried, you're missing all these things. And usually the most important things get put off until, well, hopefully at the end of the day, I'll have time to work on it. But your best, most energetic part of the day has been putting fires out and scrambling and doing things like that. I worked for a company that was incredibly entrepreneurial minded. And so rapid growth, a lot of free thought, a little bit more um, asking for forgiveness than permission kind of a setup, you know, and, and we were hiring some people. We had some really high powered people want to come to work for us. And I was involved in a lot of the interviews. I was involved in helping recruit people. You know, I was constantly looking at people that I knew going, hey, there's something here that's really amazing. But what we didn't know was what hurt us later. And it was this. We didn't know who we were well enough. And we, we would have some people that, that came in and, and would apply and we liked them. They, they had a great you know, resume. They said the right things in the interview, but what we failed to communicate, what they failed to understand was that we don't, we move very fast. And so the people that came from this really intensely structured environment they came to our company and floundered. And I, and I think that's a huge piece of culture. I think actually I'll say it this way, that I, I believe that a leader, regardless of their level on the org chart, has two number one priorities. Um, the first one is hiring. And the second one is to create and protect culture. And I believe everything else falls into that. Uh, it, you, it could be debated, but I would say those two things, when you get them right, things go well. When you get them wrong, things really stand out. Um, but yeah, that was our experience with, with the hiring is that we just, um, we, we had to learn how to get better. And that was a big piece of what our culture was. Companies don't always find out who they are right away. It, 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 it takes some, it takes some time and, and, you know, who you are should be, um, should be a question of what you value, not what you believe. Mm. And okay, can I just ask you to explain the difference there? That was an intriguing comment. Well, I, I think I think the best way um, to communicate this, you know, with 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 your audience and, and back to you is just to give you to give you really a real pure example of how of how it works. And this is one everybody gets a little tired of hearing because it's it's one that's used all the time, but. You know, Herb Kelleher and Southwest Airlines. I mean, the man was a miracle worker, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he resurrected all these minor airports in these major cities and created, you know, the most profitable airline in the history of the of the industry. But 
they have three values, okay? They are low fares, that's one value. On-time arrivals and departures, that's the second value. And the third one is not tolerating anything that gets in the way of the first two. That's their, that's their value system. It's so beautifully simple, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, and so, if, so if, you're, if, you're, if you're working for Southwest Airlines and you're hiring somebody, that's, that's what's driving your decision-making. It's not, it's not this person's degree or their GPA or, or that they did these particular projects with this great firm prior. You know, it's the fact that they're going to be able to help you do this you know, because that's what it is they do. And, and that's, I think that's the mistake that they make when you don't know who you are versus what you believe in, because the reality is, and you said it earlier, you know, complexity is driving the economy and change is inevitable. And so what we believe today isn't going to be what we believe tomorrow, mm. or maybe, you know, next year or the year after that. So, you know, it, it has to be about who you are and why you're doing it. And, that's, that's how you're going to succeed because everything is going to flow from that. Monty, um, in, in my opinion, and I, I want to volley this back and forth with you to see, you know, if you believe it a little different or, or you kind of agree um, from a culture standpoint, or, you know, companies have mission and vision statements. Uh, I actually think most of them get it wrong. Personally, that's been my experience. Um, I think we usually tend to get mission statements pretty good, visions not so much. But to me, the most significant, if I was hired to work with a company, I wouldn't even talk about mission and vision. I would literally focus on their values. Do you feel that the values of a company, when they are broadly and deeply understood and communicated and, and you know, like done right, okay, so they aren't just the words on the wall or the plaques and such, um, do you believe that those are mo the most significant piece? What, what's your opinion on that? Uh, and maybe I, it doesn't I, I, matter. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I, I do agree that, that you know, your, your values should drive the decision-making apparatus for the, you know, for the organization. And, and, that, and, that, and that's, that's very, very, very important. But I also, I also believe that mission is that way that you communicate and talk to your people and your, your, your stakeholders and, you know, that, that it, it's, it's really what you're all about and that ties into values. And sure. then, and then um, to me, visioning is really one of the key responsibilities of a leader because if, if they're not holding that and keeping that out there in front of everybody and knowing what to aim for, then, you know, you're, you're going to get in the rut and be a little aimless. Well, I, that is, I really liked how you said that because again, that that's another piece. I think the visioning part is a huge responsibility. Absolutely agree with that. Um, but when I look at vision statements that um, like they're too wordy, right? The most of them, the best ones are like, they're super small. They're easily remembered. There are just a few words so many companies get it wrong and they talk about this and that, and it's convoluted. Nobody can really remember them. That's the thing that I take exception to, especially if they spend a boatload of money trying to write one of those and somebody else reads it and goes, what? Like, I don't, I don't get that. That's where I kind of make that statement that, listen, take that effort and put it into your values and then continue to cast the vision. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what we don't stand for too, by the way. And this is what sets us apart from everybody else. And if, when you tie that together, 
And then you put your execution to it. Like, look out because you just jumped on the freeway. Yeah. I, I, I think we could debate all day, the level of importance of each of those, but I, I personally, <laughs> sure. personally, I think, I think you, you need them all because to me, they define success for the organization. Because if you're, you know, if you're living your mission, if you're working towards your vision, if you're adhering to your core values and, and behaviors, and if you're achieving your strategic initiatives, then it's going to be a pretty damn good year. Yeah, you, I when, love that. When, yeah. you know, when, when you think about it, 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 it really is. So, um, so, so, so from that perspective, um, all important, but, but they do all roll into that big ball of, of culture and, and, and value and, and, you know, again, knowing who you are. Okay. So when we were talking about, you know, doing this episode, one of the things that you said, I wrote it down, you said culture is an execution accelerator. And of course that got me fired up. Um, and you added something like to the effect of it helps you do things extraordinarily well. Can you uh, elaborate on that? How is culture in your, in what you see an execution accelerator? Well, I, I base that primarily on my personal experience that where I go into a, an engagement, a contract, if you will, with a, with a firm or organization where they have a pretty solid foundation of culture, um, execution is more easily taught. If, if they don't, then I've got to, I've got to, in some I should say in most circumstances, I have to help resurrect both. I yeah. have to help re reestablish culture and the importance of it in their, in their mind while I, I, I teach them how to execute better. Um, and, and again, I, I mean, for me, the formula is kind of the same, no matter what I walk into a, a, a client and I go through a four to five week pilot program with every senior executive that I work with. And the whole, the whole reason for that is to get grounded in what their culture is. And if they don't have a solid foundation, you know, culturally help, help them to, you know, build one so that we have a starting point, you know, and then, and then, we, and we, so, you know, so we start, you know, promoting it from that point. And then we, you know, then we just move on into, into execution management from there. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a non-starter, you know, if you don't have it, um, you know, you, you, you need it. And uh, a, a lot of, a lot of organizations don't, they have, they have lip service, right. They have, they have a, the words on the wall and they, they have some things yeah. that they, that they maybe believed in a while back or thought that was, that was true. Um, but, uh, but again, if you're, if you're forward thinking, you know, you, you've got to be thinking about that all the time and, you know, making, making adjustments to that as well. Well, kind of along those lines, I'm sure you've walked into a client or a potential client, or maybe it's just another, you know, a business that you're visiting. You, you have a pretty quick sense. Most people can pick up the vibe pretty quick, right? It's how you're greeted when you, it's, it actually begins when you pull into the parking lot, you'll notice certain things. Uh, I pay attention to is the parking lot clean? Uh, is the concrete good? Is, are the weeds, if there's grass around it, is it, is it manicured? Well, does it look nice, right? There's, there's something I'll notice. 
when I walk into a front door, if there's a reception area, how am I greeted and how am I treated? Does that person greet me with a smile? And, and can you feel the energy from that person? Uh, and then if you're walking through, let's say you're either touring it or, or you're walking through the halls to get to say the office of, of the person that you're going to meet with, or maybe it's a production floor in a manufacturing area, you can see people are either walking with a little energy uh, you notice, are they speaking to each other? Do they greet each other? Hey, you know, Hey, Monty, how's it going today? Uh, or are they kind of looking down, looking away? And it's a little bit more of a, like, you can just tell when people aren't happy. Uh, I think that, that a culture is, is something that you can sense and feel very quickly like that, a strong culture, just as you can sense and feel it when it's poor. Cause you, you, you can just sense how people feel, you know, I, I try not to be be judgmental uh, on anything because obviously you're you're coming in at a at a point and they need your help for a reason. But um, I always look at everything as a function of leadership. And and again, I meant I mentioned my pilot process. The whole the whole rationale behind the pilot is for me to find out if that leader is going to be committed to what I'm going to ask them to do. Mm, in order, in order yeah. to change. And, and then the second thing is, conversely, is that, does that leader think that I'm the right person to help them do that? And, mm -hmm. and, and my system and, you know, and process that I'm going to put in place. So as long as I've got that, you know, I mean, nothing surprises me, you know, I, I've, I've <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen a lot in my day and, and, um, if the grass isn't mowed, if the people, if it's dark and dank and dirty, I mean, you know, as long as I know there's commitment on the part of leadership to want to change and to be motivated to, to do that, then, then, you know, I, I walk in, you know, game on and let's go. Yeah. Well, okay. So excellent. That, that, that says a lot right there because you can have a lot of those things that I described. It can be shiny and new or just kept really well and not be open and ready for it. I mean, that's a hundred percent absolute possibility. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a client who treats his people very, very well, um, pays them well, bonuses them well, um, you know, does extra events, philanthropy in the community, but yet there's still a lot of people there inside that, inside that organization that are miserable. Mm. And that, that are, are, you know, that, that struggle and, and, you know, so, so yeah, you, you, looks are deceiving. You can't, you know, you can't see it all. And, you know, it's one of the questions in the, in the, in the pilot process that I ask, that I tell prospective clients is that, are you ready for this? Because I'm going to surface every problem and issue that you have inside this organization. That's our goal. Because if we can't get past those things that are hindering us, on a day-to-day -day level, we'll never, you know, we'll never get this ship to turn in the direction you want it to go. And you're never going to get to where you want to be. The word that comes to mind for that sitting across, cause that's, that's going to be some tough things to hear is they have to have a level of humility, right? If they, if they're too Absolutely. proud and they're unwilling to change, it's just not going to work. And I'm assuming at that case, you, you know it and you know, you're not the right fit for them. Y yeah. You have to be prepared to, to walk away because it, I mean, again, this is this is the way I think, but it does me no good, um, you know, to waste my time. I don't want to waste their money, 
and us get no results and just frustrate people more. Um, and, 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 and that has happened. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good way to look at things. You ha you have to, you have to want to change. You have to be motivated to do it. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make people do that. Um, so. Yeah. I actually had a client that, that would fall into that. Uh, we worked with them for a number of months. Um, <clears throat> Working with the leadership team that was created uh, was pretty rewarding, um, but also incredibly frustrating because the CEO of that particular company, uh, about 100 people, it wasn't a huge company, just a pretty small business, uh, was really the issue. And um, the leaders would tell me things that they were afraid to share with the owner. And quite honestly, if I did, the owner didn't really want to hear those things. So uh, it, it, it was a, a good experience because I learned a lot about going through that. That was, um, you know, early on when I was starting to do this, I realized we're a mismatch for that very reason, because exactly what you said was I'm going to expose everything wrong. Um, I mean, I always like to expose what's right and then ask them like, what else is going wrong? Like that's in, for me, that's part of my discovery process, but this guy didn't want to hear, he didn't want to hear how it was because it was all signs were pointing to him. <laughs> so yeah. it's tough. <laughs> yeah. They, they want the staples easy button, right? They think that <laughs> sure. bringing in James is going to solve my issue and I won't have to deal with it. Mm. And, and, you know, that's obviously, you know, you know, there's an old saying, right? The fish stinks from the head. And, and, you know, generally, if there's a, if there's a problem, you can probably source it back to leadership in one way, shape or form. And, and sure, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. All right. So as we kind of are, are bringing things together here, the last thing that, that I had that I really wanted to cover with you is you said a great culture creates awareness of being dynamic and how you execute your strategy or something to that effect. That was kind of how I wrote in my notes. So what do you mean by that? How does culture create awareness about the, or the importance or the need to be dynamic? What, explain that one. In, in understanding that, you know, culture, culture is who, who you are and, and what you do. If you know yourself and you know what you do, how you do it, that, change is inherent in what it is we do. And um, we may not look the same next week that, you know, like we're going to look in two years. Mm. And so, and so getting to that, um, getting to that understanding that complexity and technology will rule the day. And we're, you know, one of my favorite uh, laws to quote comes from a book called Detonate by a couple of, um, I think they were Deloitte consultants, but it's a 2018 book, but they, they have this thing called the, the first subatomic law of business. And that's if, and I'm paraphrasing, if you're gonna change anything in a business, you're usually gonna find yourself asking a human being to do something different than what mm. they're doing today. This isn't like hiring somebody to work in the post office, right? This is this is like hiring somebody to strap on the seatbelt and saying, "This is this is what your job is today." But I can't promise you that this is what it's going to you know that that you're going to be sorting letters you know next week. And and that's and that's important. 
you know, because you, you know, it, it drives who you hire, it drives what you do, it drives everything that, that, you know, your customers, you know, expect and, and want from you. Um, hmm. you you've got to, you know, you, you've got to have change and, and understanding that the strategy as you enter into the year is going to morph over the course of that year. And it's going to look, it's, it's going to look and go in different directions and you have to be able to, you know, change with that. Otherwise you're just going to do a job and, you know, we're going to, we're going to give up on our strategy in month two or three. And, you know, we're going to add up the money at the end of the year and, you know, say we had victory or we didn't. And that's not, that's not the way businesses operate. It's not the way businesses in the future are going to be able to function. Yeah, and as we said earlier, I think that pace of change is 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 quicker uh, for a lot of reasons. But um, on that concept of change, I kind of have found this that you know people, business leaders, employees, um, however it is, even customers, you know, the way that they buy our stuff, people don't necessarily dislike change. I think that's I think there's some truth to that, but I. I think it's the way truth is impressed upon them, right? So I'm sorry, the, the way that change is impressed upon them. The truth of it is, is that, you know, we all are, we, we change our hairstyles, we change cars, we, we change relationships, we change even jobs, you know? So like change is a piece of it. But in business, especially when you're an employee, it seems to be a hot point because people don't like how it's been told to them. And I think a big chunk of that is a culture that doesn't listen or actively seek input from the people that are closest to the job, the people that are maybe on the front line, the production floor, whatever it is, all of a sudden we're going to make these changes and it's, it's maybe the changes make sense and they're the right changes, but the, the lack of communication about why we're going to do it or having people get a sense to, to like either have input or a voice behind it that's where people seem to get frustrated to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation for a business leader or business owner, but you know, James, you only need to go back as far as 2007 to really understand why this is important. And and I'm going to hold this up so you can, you can see it on the, on the, on the camera and for your, for your audience, it's just listening up, you know, by voice, I'm holding up my iPhone. Yeah. But in 2007, when these things came into vogue and, and, and being, um, being mainstream, everything changed. And, For sure. And now people, people don't worry about what's in the middle of anything, right? They just know they can pick this up and instantaneously get what they want. <laughs> and that's, that's the way we have to look at it from a cultural perspective that you know, change is so dynamic and evident and, and reoccurring that if we're if we're asleep at the wheel, that if we're not, you know, fully conscious and moving in the direction that our customers want to go, they're gonna they're just gonna get somebody else because they can, because they can, you know, they can buy their car online and they can buy probably the same color and make from three different dealerships and they can probably get it delivered, you know, within a you know, within a week if they want it. Um, yeah, absolutely. This instant gratification is driving everything that's people doing. You know, they don't, they, they just don't care that, you know, you have quality or that, you know, you treat your people well, or that you do this. Those are all things that you have to do, but they just want to know they can get what they need from you. And, 
and 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 unfortunately that's that's where things have evolved and so you know culturally you, you have to be you have to be geared up to you know to be able to deal with that absolutely yeah monty i we got to wind it down at some point. So I feel like maybe this is the right place. Cause I know as you and I have talked before, we could, we could spend an afternoon together uh, solving the world's problems from a culture and execution management strategy, you know, perspective. But if you have any, I don't know what you've got going, maybe you've got some programs or something that maybe our listeners are interested in and they're struggling with execution on their team and they want to talk with an expert like you, how can they get a hold of you? Easiest two ways. Um, one is just through LinkedIn. Just just reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn, and you can get my direct number if you want to uh, call me. You can direct message me from 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 there. I, I also would appreciate having you in my network. I I, I as you know, I post consistently and uh, like to engage people. Uh, yeah, well, I'll just add real quick. You you are awesome on LinkedIn. I see your stuff a lot. Um, it's it's very very useful. I mean, you're giving away a lot of uh, truth and wisdom and, and just wise, wise uh, application a lot. Uh, th- thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's the intention here. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like open sourcing technology, right? You just, you kind of put the ideas out there and let, let people learn from them and we all get better as a result. So I, I got nothing to hide. Um, but yeah, so so LinkedIn, obviously. And then I have a website, uh, which is www.clarifydeployachieve.com. That, that's all one word. And you know, that um, stems from the name of my firm, the CDA group. So clarify, deploying, and achieving. Those, in my mind, those are the three most important things that, that leaders do. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, go to my website there. You can use some... You can subscribe to my monthly newsletter there. Um, you can you can reach me. You know my contact information is there, and then you can find out some things about execution management, specifically what I you know what it is I do and how I how I affect you know and, and help organizations succeed. It's so enjoyable for me to talk to you because you know I think we have a little bit uh, you know different perspectives at times. I think that the cool thing is is that we we kind of come together in so many different ways. It's, it's why I was grateful to meet you and connect with you, which is why I hope everybody who's listening to this would do that. Um, your, your network is, is, is so valuable to you. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you for, for making time to do this and to talk shop here. And I, I, uh, I can't wait to see what we, uh, what we approach each other with next. You know, it's just, I enjoy these conversations with you a lot. Yeah, th- thank you, James. I, I, I as well, and, and uh, have a great appreciation for what it is you're doing and and how you do it. And and uh, yeah, there's there's there, there's a lot of overlap. Um, and, and again, I think I think that's driven by the by the level of need that's out there. Yeah. That, that just you know, organizations just aren't um, investing in their people at the level they should that you know they should be, and then. Um, that's before we get to the idea of how do I run my business better? You know? Absolutely. Well, I'll have your contact information um, in the show notes, uh, but otherwise Monty, again, thank you so much. And um, thank you all for listening today. I hope that you took a lot of, a lot of good value out of this today. So take care and we'll catch you next time. 